Vista, episode 149. I am Ben, and I am here in the beautiful city of Brisbane, recording a podcast episode in a house in the unique Queenslander style, which is characterized by elevated height, extensive verandas, and the ability to open the house up freely to airflow. About 20 minutes drive away from me, in a brick house characteristic of a sort of 1950s modernism, quite popular in the outer suburbs of the beautiful city of Brisbane, also recording a podcast episode is Theo. Hello, Theo. Hey, buddy. One of the things I think about the uh, scenarios we do at the start is it's a real real chance for us to kind of just play into some escapism. Mm, well, like flex our imaginations. Yeah, think of a, a, a life that is um, possibly more fantastic than ours mm-hmm. uh, and then and live it for a couple of minutes. Well, uh, let me put this to you. Can you imagine life more fantastic than living in Brisbane? Ah, uh, look, perish the thought. Mm-hmm. If such thing exists, I didn't even have the thought. I can't. No, I can't perish it. It wasn't there at all. Ah, oh, I feel but, like. I mean, where these intros—they've become yep. quite. They're normal to us now, right? We didn't even always. We didn't do them from the start, no. and even when we started doing them, we weren't doing them for every episode. Andrew would just sort of do them every now and then, which was a nice surprise. But we've sort of become quite accustomed to them. To you never really think about if this was, say, your first time listening to the podcast. You heard Andrew describe us being at the circus or some shit. Yeah. Uh, and then that was never brought up again in the rest of the episode. You'd maybe think, what is this? It was almost like um, when, uh, well, another very good American political podcast uh, referenced our episode on the bushfires uh, having heard the intro where we talked about being in a bunker while the fires were raging which was of course fictional uh, but under the belief that that was true <laughs> I forgot about that uh, it might have been slightly <laughs> uh, too close to home that one maybe <laughs> now now you say that this might be difficult for people coming in uh, new listeners etc um, but I would put it to you that we have never attempted to cater for either new listeners or the possibility <laughs> of getting new listeners. I genuinely believe that there might be a hard threshold on how many people could enjoy the oh, podcast. Abs- absolutely. I think like a year ago we got to about 5,000 fans or something like that. And to my understanding, that's about probably as many as we need. And could possibly attain as far as I that's- understand it. It is sort of... Uh, Pokemon sense, we have caught them all. <laughs> uh, would you say your house is about 1950s-ish? I was taking a guess yeah. there. No, no, but I think that's pretty much bang on. Um, it's always nice like trying to work out the age of the different rooms, just depending on whether <laughs> the walls are asbestos or not. Well, I mean, at least we can say your laundry now is uh, a baby, effectively. It's zero yeah. years old. Only That's right. Only one out of the four walls now are... Um, <laughs> sorry, three out of the four walls are asbestos. Now okay. one is is plasterboard that we put up ourselves. You know, well, you know what they say, you know, uh, better 10 to 12 asbestos walls than 11 yes. to 13. And some buried in every garden mm. uh, in mm-hmm. the yard. Oh man, uh, some friends of ours have uh, they have a cafe with some sort of space out the back where because it was sort of a, once upon a time the building was a house, then it got turned into some sort of shop fronts, and then they've turned it again into a cafe or whatever. And they're like, "Oh, this is really good. We can use the garden space to sort of grow stuff for 
the cafe, you know, grow some herbs, grow some whatever, until they got the soil tested and realized it's just full of asbestos. Uh-huh. Crazy and, full and of asbestos. And you're not supposed to eat that. No, although I think it will make okay. you fireproof. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I feel like my understanding of medicine is that if something does anything to something, it will also do that thing to you. Yes, you are what you eat, effectively. That is so true. I think, like, when you look at the the reaction to uh, coronavirus, um, like quarantine and that sort of thing, and people, I guess, younger people being surprised that older people uh, don't take it seriously, <laughs> um, is kind of glossing over the fact that I think as an Australian, um, like, cultural touch point, the belief that you could just pull down asbestos, smash it over your knee, and then bury it, uh, you know, under some concrete uh, when you put in a shed in the backyard is pretty much universal to our parents' generation. Mm-hmm. Oh, that everybody was told, hey, this will uh, kill you at some point in 40 years from now, and it will hurt for about four months doing it. Uh, and they all just agreed that they hadn't heard that. Mm. Uh, and they are just having to go through the motions for political correctness gone mad. Um, and, like, this is even something my dad, I think, thinks, that you can just pull down asbestos and just put it in your backyard for some reason. I don't know. It's like burying nuclear waste. It will never, ever it, it, be a problem again. Never, ever. I mean, three to four inches of topsoil, and you're golden. <laughs> Have you um have you seen any of that stuff about? I mean, I'm sure I've probably mentioned it on the podcast before because it is fucking insane to me. The the sort of design challenge of future proofing nuclear waste burial sites. No, but so it's this like long term project of we have to make sure people don't try and live or you know uh, cultivate anything on these sort of land. But how do you make warnings that completely transcend language and culture? <laughs> so it's like, it's weird because basically nothing we do at the moment feels like it's being done for more than 10 years in the future, right? Yeah, that, that's right. And nuclear waste is one of those things where it will absolutely <laughs> outlive well, a, yes. what our understanding of civilization is. It's almost kind of ironic that they're, we're willing to do the action knowing that, like, it will have the ramifications that far in the future, but we haven't yet solved the problem of telling people, oh, no, this is going to fuck up your life. I feel but- like you could just, like, waterproof, build, like, a waterproof enclosure for one of those TV trolleys, the the AV sort of thing <laughs> for the VHS, uh, just preloaded with a copy of um, of Stalker. I was thinking you could just do, you know, the, the bit from Robocop where the guy has the acid fall on him? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, just play that <laughs> clip over and over again. That's what will happen to you. It's like, so I think what they've, some of the designs that they've come up with is having just like making the landscape look as inhospitable as possible. So like, very specific reference here, but this is what comes to mind when I think about it. Uh, you know, like in Disney movies where they're, they're trying to show that they're in an evil forest. Yeah. Like they do it in like Sleeping Beauty. And it's all and like in, curled and stuff. And Yeah. They're like spirally trees that all have spikes and shit on them. Yep. That's essentially what they're designing. They're like these weird black spiky pillars and stuff. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, you should definitely look into it. This is, I mean, I, I do this like every four episodes, but there's a 99% invisible episode about this that's really, really good. Uh, I don't know what it's called, and I'll chuck it in the notes. Um, 
yeah, it's fascinating. But also, I saw a post the other day uh, where it was someone that was taking the sort of the slogans they're trying to communicate from these warnings uh, and then putting them on the back of booty shorts. That's <laughs> <laughs> just stuff like nothing will thrive here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what we should be doing for asbestos. I think that's the the thing there. Uh, would you like to hear a little bit of news from the beautiful city of Brisbane, the city in which we live? Oh, I mean, it's it's truly hard to keep up with the news from Brisbane, I find. <laughs> it is all happening here, all the time. All of the time. Um, I'm going to give you two media releases uh, from the Queensland Police Service. The first is from 10.45am, the morning of May 15th. Around 7am this morning, police were called to a location on the Bruce Highway south of Bowen where a body was located. Now, I'll put to you that while Brisbane is technically south of Bowen, I don't believe that this is a Brisbane story. Oh, you're absolutely right. I had, in my head, internalised this as Bowen Hills. Uh, not Bowen. Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're <laughs> the talking the, the town like, of Bowen, close what, to my birthplace. 1,500 k's from here, maybe? Um, no, it'd be about 1,200 as the um, Tarago drives. Mm. I've been to Bowen. There is nothing there. I have. I don't think I have ever been to Bowen. There's and one I very nice beach. Very close to it for 19 years. <laughs> we we stayed I've there in the boat Airlie. for a couple of weeks. Oh, Ailey, what a place. You can get an STI in the lagoon. Yep. Uh, if you yep. are 19 and from Germany, you can go nightclubbing there. I don't think they let you do it if you are anyone else. God. No, I I, I, I went to schoolies at Early. Oh, went to my that foam God. You dumb piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> How was it? Oh, man, I was not having a good time at 19 years old. I could tell you that. Wait, why were you doing schoolies when you were 19? 18? 18. You should have been 17. Uh, so I would have been just 18. Yeah, right. Right? That? Uh, well, yeah. In, in Queensland, you're 17 when you finish school, usually. That's kind of how it shakes out. Is it? Fuck. No, I must... Look, I'll work that out. 2000, sure. 2003, 17. Yeah. All right. But of course, for some reason, this entire state turns a blind eye to seventeen-year-olds going yeah. out and like getting absolutely yeah. fucking cuntied. <laughs> absolutely, very strange that we just sort of say, "Okay, go nuts." Is there such a thing in like sp- spring break is for college students in America, right? Oh yeah, Even I guess they that's can't true. Drink yet, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess that's kind of the same. But at least in the other states in Australia, you're generally eighteen when you graduate. Are you? Yeah, we finished because we don't have the kindergarten year. We just start at one. Although maybe we do now, but maybe in our day, yeah. yeah, we finished earlier than everyone else because I started well, that's school. Because we've got that uh, that bacteria <laughs> on the water that makes us smarter. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. You let a little bit of Brisbane River water into your yeah. beer that you have when you're 13, uh, and then you don't have to do grade nine. They're all set back a year because of all their you know highfalutin fluoride. Great teeth. <laughs> Bad brains. <laughs> Actually, I think the thing is, because our teeth are going to last uh, for a shorter amount of time, they just let us get out of school earlier, so we have one more year with good teeth out of the real world. <laughs> Very kind of them. So well, you went the to school twice as bright. in early, which yeah. is 
insanely hilarious to me. This uh, is weird. What was the, that the, like? It was uh, pro- probably something that would have been a good time to people that who, who <laughs> weren't or aren't me. And I think that's true of maybe ninety eight percent of the things that you do in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Of of human experience as a as a whole. <laughs> yeah. uh, this would be no. wonderful if I had any other person's brain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I didn't have a great time, but that's probably probably in, on me. I assume you just did like a mess of drugs, went to a bunch of bad nightclubs, maybe had a couple of swims. Did have a couple of swims, swam in the lagoon, the the aforementioned lagoon. Uh, mm-hmm. We went to um, what's the island with the really fine white sand? Oh, it, is that Hamilton? No, no. But I know the we beach went, you're we went talking to Hamilton about. briefly, but fuck, what is that beach? It's the one that everyone goes to. Yeah. Anyway, it's a nice. It's place. awful. It sticks to you. You Don't really aren't just beach. designed to enjoy life at all. <laughs> it's one of like the I, places I of the most out. sheer, incredible, natural beauty in this country. Just like, mm. I don't like sand. It's no, coarse. It's it sticks sticky. to everything. No. Kind of, kind of like the bacteria that lives under like um, geothermal vents in the <laughs> darkest parts of the ocean. I've managed to eke out a relatively uh, niche but happy existence doing <laughs> the things that I like. Which you weren't are supposed podcast, to be here. You weren't supposed uh, to have thrived. Playing city skylines. Mm-hmm. Uh, making eggs for wife. Making eggs for wife. Yep. And any more, I'll get back to you. Yeah, if you could think of a fourth thing that you like, yep. <laughs> that'd be great. Um, all right, so this is not Brisbane news. I will keep going with this press uh, press release here. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, well, I mean, we kind of got through the meat of it there. So they found a body. South of Bowen on the Bruce Highway. Crime scene has been established with detectives and forensic officers commencing an investigation. There is no further information at this time. Then, the second media release. This is from 2.41pm. So, I'm not sort of a maths whiz. But that's approximately... Uh, What's that? Four hours afterwards? Four, about four hours. Let's say three hours, uh, 56 minutes. Uh, an investigation into reports of a body found south of Bowen earlier this morning has concluded. Hmm. Open and shut place. Yep. Well, I mean, open, wait four hours, shut. Yep, shut. Uh, Well, we'll get to that. Uh, Police were called to reports of a body wrapped in a blanket on a trail off the Bruce Highway. Forensic officers commenced investigations, which have concluded the body is a lifelike replica doll of a human. The crime scene has been disbanded. Officers will continue investigations into the origins of the doll. So. Yeah, okay. Let's just. Yep. uh, A few things. So I guess let's be generous here. Um, they've left the scene as is, right? They haven't collected the body. So it's not like at any point someone's lifted it and been like, hmm. 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 Bit light. Yeah, weird. Doesn't feel like a human body would feel. Interesting. Uh, we can assume maybe the officers at the scene were either squeamish or didn't want to, you know, mess with the crime scene by moving the blanket that it was wrapped in to have a look at its face and see if it was uh, making some sort of easily identifiable facial expression that would give Which away I its purpose. Which I think is possibly assigning a little more subtlety to the police officers of North Queensland than I perhaps would. It's weird that there is somehow a subset of police officer that's worse than police officer, which is of course a Queensland police Queensland officer, cop, yes. and that there's a further subset that is even worse than that. Deeply troubling. 
So what I'm trying to picture is so four hours, three hours, 56 minutes. Mm-hmm. Let's give them four hours to be generous. Sure. Proportionally, how much of that time was spent working out that this is, in fact, a sex doll um, versus the amount of time deciding oh. exactly how to word okay. the press release? <laughs> so you're, I'm sort of uh, putting forth an idea where they found the body but didn't identify it to be a doll until much later. You're saying they more or less instantly realized it was a doll but were wringing their hands over, how do we say we found a fuck doll? Well, so, you know, 10.45, press release goes out. 10.46, someone lifts the blanket on the, on the doll. Mm-hmm. It's, you, know, you know how you, you send out an email uh, and then you realize you fucked it all up? Um, and you should have used that feature in Outlook where it will actually send the email 10 minutes after you hit send. Yeah, you get a little so bit of a, a recall bit. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah, picturing that, but it's already uh, gone onto the front page of ABC News. Mm-hmm. And then... <laughs> and gone, oh, we really should have checked. <laughs> you just know the moment... more of a process question, they hit send. Right? Like they've worked down their checklist of things that they need to check... Um, when they find a dead body, mm. you're saying, and that at no point, press release did... should be further down the chain. Well, I'm just saying that somewhere above press release, but below find body, should be <laughs> check if body is a uh, lifelike doll with full on uh, tits and <laughs> vulva. And like, I'm not a, a forensic scientist or uh, even any. Scientist of any kind. I'm not a doctor, not a police officer. Um, my belief is that you could very quickly rule out whether something is a a sex doll or not a doll at all uh, without even touching the body by using a stud finder. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was in your hands, Ben, it'd go off all the time. Oh, there he oh. is. He's always the charmer. Hey, buddy. Um. No, you're. <laughs> we, we absolutely have not reached um, the far point in the in the kind of Westworld future where uh, robots and humans are indistinguishable for the purposes of forensic science. That's a. That's. I, I would mean, say that they are very distinguishable. When I first saw Blade Runner as a teenager, I was so confused by it because I was like, "Why is it ambiguous whether or not the man's a robot? He could just cut himself open and see that he's a robot." I was like, what's the deal with that? Mm. Uh, I just assume, you know, you got robot parts in a sort of, um, what's that movie? Ex Machina kind of fashion. But obviously I couldn't use that to contextualize it because that came out way after I was a teenager. Uh, so with this press release, right, they didn't say fuck doll. They they called it a lifelike replica doll, which, you know, that could cover all manner of things, right? Yeah. Uh, generously, you could say that a, a particularly high-end mannequin is lifelike. You know, sure, yeah, like a very. I, I, high-end I was mannequin. trying to find in my mind the the kind of the the overlap of lifelike doll that is not covered by sex doll. <laughs> sure. Really, the market hasn't been found yet. Well, I mean, there's probably like I'm sure there's advanced sort of CPR. Dummies, maybe. 
I think I'm mm. stretching here, but surely yeah. there's got to be other purposes in life generally where we will need something that looks convincingly like a human body, but not oh, for the purposes um, of... A, a ballistic doll. The ones where they're full of the, the gel? Full of the gel. Uh, yeah. And then they, the, the dudes from Cold Steel put a bunch of guts in them. <laughs> Check out Cold Steel <laughs> on YouTube. <laughs> If you've never watched one of our live streams, uh, you won't have seen them. If you've ever watched any of our live streams, you will have seen them. <laughs> uh, we we spent like 45 minutes talking about Cold Steel yesterday. Um, and just the the guys that make the swords getting visibly like out of breath, <laughs> doing the, the world's shittiest sword swings on uh, like hanging pieces of meat, ballistic dolls, boots full of meat. Other forms of meat. Yeah, it's always like, occasionally it'll just be like a huge sort of, you know, half a pig, a whole side of pork. And you're like, oh, are you going to, oh, that must have been expensive. You're not going to, oh, okay. I don't want to criticize these guys, right? Because I'm, I'm extremely out of shape. I'm not an exercise oriented person. But I also feel like if you were honing your skills in the, the discipline of being a swordsman, Surely a corollary to that would be like, a, that takes exercise, right? I don't really understand yeah. how they can both be masters of the blade and also extremely out of shape. I understand that I cannot swing a claymore. I also understand that about you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll maybe get you a, a smaller sort of sword if, if yeah. we need to. I'll, I'll use one of the... Uh... One of those small Roman gladiuses. Well, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. <laughs> well, you could probably get both your hands on a, a single hand grip anyway, so that's fine. Uh, they did clarify the Queensland Police Service. They they told the Brisbane Times, a spokesperson from QPS told the Brisbane Times that the doll was, quote, an anatomically correct female sex doll. It was all there. It's all It's all there. Uh, we noticed that the doll had big bazongas. Now, <laughs> do, you, further. do you feel like the fact that they've put the words anatomically correct in there is, one, um, trying to lend a real depth and credence to their reporting and their press release, or two, attempting to cover up the fact that they went four hours in between uh, releasing <laughs> the press release when they thought it was a dead body to the press release when they worked out it was a sex doll? Like, like they go like... Look, guys, anyone could have been fooled by this. You should have seen the tits seen, on it. It was so anatomically correct. You you could almost read it as a sort of a nod to the craftsmanship of the doll. Oh, they, they are 100%ed that bad boy. Uh, that is absolutely spot on. Outstanding our, verisimilitude. Our hats off to latex fuckbags. <laughs> you really did it. Visit latex fuckbags and use promo code QPS. I think I also find that series of words quite strange because you would kind of think that that comes with the territory. You know, like a female sex doll, that its entire reason for being is that it replicates to some extent uh, the sexual experience via, you know, recreating that anatomy. An anatomically incorrect female sex doll. What are you even doing at that stage? No, I think we, we've we definitely moved on from like the 80s sort of blow-up doll with the massive 
um, like ballooned lips, I think. It is insane to think that that product ever existed and presumably still exists. Not as something is more than a joke. Yeah, like as a gag in movies, which is the only way I have ever seen either ways. People love blowing them up at festivals. They love that one. But like, you can't, surely, I think, you know, horniness will make the brain do many things. But surely the squeaky balloon noise would be enough for you to just be like, oh, this is very embarrassing. I'm just going to masturbate. Uh, if any of your parents have ever owned an 80s-style balloon sex doll, please write in. Uh, if you've owned one, please, hmm. also, please write in. Because, you know, we, we don't want to judge. No. I mean, we won't. We, we just might want to. Yeah, we just want to learn. Maybe it's a great time, you know? Maybe we're way off the mark here. I don't think we are, but maybe we are. Uh, I think we're going to go into a little segment that we've got here that doesn't really make sense because Lucy is not on this episode, so we can't really page her. But nonetheless, this is paging Dr. Lucy. Uh, this is a post from uh, a little a subreddit called r slash relationships. Uh, this post has since been deleted. They don't explain their decisions. Um, so we don't know why it's been deleted. It could be that they found some sort of evidence that this was entirely a fabrication. I would like to assume that's not the case and that it was for some other re- reason. But here we go. My... 29F. Boyfriend, 29M, keeps getting into fights with a cook at Waffle House. I know this sounds really weird, but here it is. My BF and I have been together for three years. We met and started dating when we were both in graduate school, but I dropped out to go back to college to pursue a different career. We are both finished now and live together making a fairly nice combined income. Income with a capital I. With a capital I. Uh, how, what? I think this is an auto-correct thing. From what do you think? Um, no. Nope, oh, no, not. our money. I think it's an auto-correct money. from money. So okay. our money is relevant because we could afford to eat somewhere nice when we're out and about, but he always wants breakfast food. When he was a child, his dad couldn't stand eating breakfast-type food in the afternoon or evenings, so his mum would, would make him waffles slash pancakes, eggs and bacon in the evening whenever his dad was busy or out of town. It's a wonderful and safe memory for him, and when he goes to his happy place... Oh, sorry. It's a wonderful and safe memory for him, and it's when he goes to his happy place. He says that's where he always goes. My BF is an incredibly nice and caring person. He's emotionally tuned into everyone and recognizes arising issues a long time before they occur. He loves animals and is kind and gentle with every bug, bird, and pet that he comes across. He's almost always willing to turn the other cheek in social situations where somebody tries to insult him or get aggressive towards him. Sorry, I'm not laughing at this. This is all quite nice. I'm just laughing at what's coming up. Uh, And usually winds up diffusing the situation and having a productive discussion about whatever the issue was. Except at Waffle House. (laughs) Anytime we're out, he wants to go to the same goddamn Waffle House and get breakfast food. 
It's also autocorrected to toad. Great. Uh, I'm not a big eater, so I used to not really care. I would just drink coffee and read my book while he enjoyed his food. Oh, that sounds... That's lovely. It's very like a nice afternoon. But that became impossible once he and this one cook started chirping at each other every other time we weren't there. BF complained about his eggs one time because he likes them a little runny and they were served hard. The cook responded by giving him scrambled eggs. When he brought it up again, the cook served him two hard-boiled eggs. I think it was just part of the cook's shtick, and it was kind of funny, to be honest, but my BF wasn't able to laugh it off. When we left, he was in kind of a bad mood, but we didn't really talk about it. The next week, we were out getting some shopping done, and he wanted to go to the Waffle House again. I suggested that we try out a different place, or at least a different Waffle House location, but he only wanted the same Waffle House. We went in and sat down, and once again, the same cook served his eggs wrong. My BF sort of snapped at him that he wasn't interested in messing around and just wanted the correct eggs. The cook then served him a piece of toast with a hole cut out in the middle with a fried egg in it. My BF got really mad and threw the egg toast at the cook, which made the cook come around from behind the bar and throw it back at him. They ended up sort of wrestling slash fighting until my BF was like, this is bullshit, and walked out. (laughs) Nobody got hurt, but a few other people there were watching and laughing a bit. This is the crazy part. My BF keeps going back and ordering eggs and getting into fistfights with the same cook. It's almost a ritual at this point. My BF orders runny eggs, the cook serves him some other version of eggs, and then they beat the shit out of each other. I quit going with him after the second fight, but he kept going by himself. They're like Peter and the giant chicken from Family Guy. It's the weirdest thing. They've physically fought like six or seven times over this. I've tried to talk to him about it a few times, but he keeps saying it's a matter of principle. I've told him to talk to the manager or something like that, but he just waves me off. Apparently that cook hasn't yet made him the correct runny eggs, but it's like he spends the week learning new ways of preparing eggs to piss my boyfriend off. (laughs) The thing is, we're getting married this summer. He's accepted a job in a new city, and it will be easy for me to find work after the wedding. So we'll be moving away from this sworn enemy waffle house guy. He hasn't really been out since quarantine started, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's the first place he goes when restaurants open back up for sitting customers. (laughs) My main worry is this strange vindictive side of him I've never seen before that leads him to fight the same guy every week. The violence itself is an issue for me, but the obsession over it almost bothers me more. Should I be worried that this side of him will come up later in our marriage? How do I get him to open up about this? Is this a type of obsession of, is this type of obsession a choice or is it indicative of something deeper? Okay. I, okay. Tell me how you feel about this. So Obviously, this is entertaining on a on a surface level, right? But there's something about this story that is just weirdly evocative to me. Oh, God. Right? Do you know what like, this makes me think of, weirdly? Go um, on. Gangs of New York. So... <laughs> you know the start where it's yeah. uh, the priest and well, the butcher? Yeah, it was like, well, I guess we have to throw down with fish hooks again. When they're just like, I respect you, goddammit, but I hate you. <laughs> and then one of them kills the other, and it's a beautiful, touching moment. Yeah. Um, this, like, weirdly noble thing of them both just being like, fuck you. Yeah. You are, I think about you more bizarre, than anything else. M- like, weird masculinity crashing against the cliffs of <laughs> um, movability. Um, so I was trying to think, like, 
there's almost something P.T. Anderson about this. And oh. I immediately thought of There Will Be Blood, which is probably the most <laughs> immediate comparison, right? Where they just have this this legitimate, um, you know, uh, an escalating um, fighting going on. But I realized that this guy, the boyfriend, is actually um, Joaquin Phoenix from The Master. Just mm. this beautiful, mm-hmm. kind but extremely violent, uh, simple man who just wants simple things uh, to to drink motor oil in a cocktail or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this this violence is almost inevitable. It, it's like it's a, something at the core of his being. Yeah, this primal attempt uh, to sort of take control of the world. In the only yeah. way they know how, and that is but, beating the shit out of, or being having the shit beaten out of the bar. Yeah, and no matter how much civilization you can build uh, within the four walls of a of a waffle house, mm. um, it is just covering for the real intent of man. Yeah, which violence is to, still rages in the heart of man, regardless of the skyscrapers that we build. The waffle houses that we dot across the United States. <laughs> the, the darkness of the human heart will forever be unexplored. <laughs> Just imagining they, the next act is, is that they move away from this city and then 30 years later, they come back like the ending of, uh, of Moonlight. Uh-huh. Uh, and he goes back to this waffle house and the cook is still there. And he orders the eggs, and they make eye contact. (laughs) (laughs) This is beautiful meeting, meeting moment. Their their lives realizing that they're permanently entangled, entwined within each other's being. Uh, And then the cook comes around, and they beat the shit out of each other. No other way they can finish (laughs) right. Last time, (laughs) they have this genuinely tender moment, right, of just this beautiful. Looking into each other's eyes, maybe they shake hands, maybe they hug. You know, there's yeah. this like shared feeling of being like, you know, life has moved on, we've moved on, and they they knew this whole time that this was inevitable. And then he gets Their the egg. Being he puts his fork into the egg and it just doesn't move the yolk at all. And then when he stands up, it's just a, it's just a, a masterpiece souffle that the cook has been spending the last thirty years perfecting. <laughs> oh, it's like a perfect uh, century egg. Is that what those are called? The yeah. like, <laughs> he just stands up and like when he stood up, he realizes the cook is already standing there. He's got his shirt off. They're both fully nude. They're wrestling like fucking Greek wrestlers, just beating the shit out of each other. And then they both die. They lie on the floor. I just exhausted. realized this is. This is just the ending to the wrestler. Except that is a mirror. <laughs> the ending to the wrestler, he's died fighting himself. Fighting himself. I wonder if there's a, a perfectly mirrored counterpart uh, post on r slash reddit. My, my boyfriend is a beautiful, kind man, caring to all people and animals. Um, he has a wonderful job as a chef. At a Waffle House. It's not much, but he loves it. But he, he can't stop getting in a fight. He's swapping shifts so that he can be on on Saturday afternoons. 
<laughs> He's working 80 hours a week to make sure that he never misses him. <laughs> yeah, this is like some form of, uh, it's a, a deep, deep romance uh, that can only be expressed in terms of pure violence. <sighs> if that story is real, mm-hmm. it's probably fucked up. But oh, as absolutely. A, as a piece of narrative fiction, beautiful. It really does have something to it, like a kernel of something where you're like, wow, this is tragic. Yeah, <laughs> this is saying something. It's, there's definitely a capital T theme in this work. <laughs> Will we ever fully explore it? No. Let's have a look at another theme with a capital T, and that theme is bees. Country roads, take me home. We love bees on this show. I don't know what it is that makes them so funny, but every single, like, bee-related news story that I ever see, I will immediately just slam the keyboard down with my fist, hoping that I have somehow managed to press Control-C on the link to it. Slammed it into the notes. Uh, They're nature's suicidal goofs. They They can't stop making pudding to live in. (laughs) (laughs) What a compulsion to have. (laughs) I think there's... uh, We'll get to it, but there is one thing in this story. No, actually, we'll get to it in the first sentence that is astonishing to me. (laughs) Um, uh, Here we go. So this is a story from CNN. This is the headline. He suspected the buzzing in his ceiling were bees. Was bees, I'd maybe say. Mm -hmm. He just didn't expect to find 100,000 of them. And who does? No. All right. Here's the first sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. When George Montgomery moved into his home in Georgia in November 2018, it didn't take him long to realize the property was a buzz. So this story about having the bees removed is from now. This is not an old story. So he's known that the bees have been there. <laughs> he has heard nothing Fuck, but incessant... I didn't incessant, even try to construct a timeline. Just incessant buzzing all around him all the time. His house is vibrating. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you. Um, I'm a... I'm just a simple man uh, with simple fears. And one of those fears is my house being full of 100,000 bees. Now, if I was to find out that my house was full of 100,000 bees, that would become my number one priority in life. And I'm not saying that I'm a particularly constructive person. Um, I'm very bad at completing tasks, projects, doing things. I feel like I would find something within me to um, sort this out. I feel like if there was just at all times a small chance that uh, somewhere between one and 100,000 bees would pop out of a fixture while I was just trying to live my life, yeah, I'd probably try and tackle that problem straight away. Yeah. Now, I think we have to kind of um, share this planet uh, and our, our environs with things around. Um, and I draw that line with 100,000 bees in my house. Right, so you you would be happy for a hundred thousand bees to exist more or less anywhere else. Anywhere else yeah. in the in the world. If you imagine that um, 
there is the world and then there's a space carved out by the house in which I live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the bees have what I understand to be probably 98 or 99% of the world <laughs> then. Uh, I'm, I'm crunching some quick numbers yep. and I, I think that sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, and then the bit inside my house uh, is the bit that they can't have. So 1% to 2% of the Earth's surface. Yes, uh, taken up by my house. Your uh, two-bedroom home. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, that, that checks out. Um, now, also, I will point out that um, you've put all these notes in. I've made some very helpful comments in here Now, uh, when it says it didn't take him that long to realize the property was a buzz. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a little note there saying, shut the fuck up. Yep, and I think that's a very fair point and well made. I, I think actually, it's a, a criticism, that, and it's harder to, to tear down than it is to build up, but I also think it's legitimate. It's harder to tear down than it is to build up? No, it's easier. Mm, and that's well, Except for me. We're sort of like, <laughs> they've constructed uh, a beautiful uh, 1 to 72 scale replica of the Eiffel Tower out of matchsticks, and we've come in here and slapped it over. It's clown shoes bullshit. We'll never stand. I actually uh, spent a little bit of time looking for a an outlet covering this news story without jokes in it. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I did not find any. Uh, everyone no. that wrote this clearly saw this as a fantastic opportunity uh, yes. to just pepper it with puns. Our only source for this is comedy news story <laughs> outlet CNN. <laughs> I mean, like... I get it. You're writing a lot of dry news stories, hmm. but there are ways to make things a joke without just saying the property was a buzz. That's right. look. You got to get your fun somewhere. If it's the expense of your employer and the people reading your articles, fair enough. Uh, let, let's go on with this because there are some other lovely details in here. Um, I noticed the swarm the spring after I bought the place. Montgomery Todd seen it. Okay, so it's a little while after. It wasn't necessarily a year and. Four or five months, but it was something mm. akin to that. And he's probably noticed sort of like a, a bee here and there, like mm. in the flowers or whatever, just thinking, oh, that's, uh, I haven't haven't seen where their hive is. You know, in the movie Constantine, when the mm. the much cherished character, the bee man, uh, Beeman, whatever that guy's name is, dies from some sort of demonic bee attack and there's just a couple of bees crawling on his face all of a sudden? Uh-huh. This is happening to him on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Uh, you could hear them slapping against the wall as they landed to crawl into the hive. Oh, that's Some somehow worse than any other noise. Because a bee doesn't have a lot of mass. <laughs> you know? I'm just, just imagining him, like, drinking his coffee and his lazy boy. <laughs> this, oh, was that a bee slapping against the wall? That sounds like some Attempting bee slaps. to get into a hive? It sounds like tens of thousands of bee slaps. I'd know that sound anywhere. That's the distinct sound of a bee abdomen whacking into a plaster wall. Hmm. Very strange. You'd think any other noise that a bee could make would be louder than that. I heard the bees sneezing. <laughs> uh, they're around a lot of pollen, so that checks out. Uh, as a new homeowner in East Point, just outside of Atlanta, the 26-year-old CNN employee... Oh, hang a moment. Oh. <laughs> what a twist. I didn't see this when I was reading it. So this is a guy who works at CNN <laughs> and was just like, you guys are not going to believe what happened to me. No, no, no. I think this is... Uh, I think he's been uh, made the the clown of CNN. 
Everyone's like, hey, gotten rid of your <laughs> tens of thousands of bees yet, Dave? Instead of doing a team building exercise, it just hired a guy that everyone can laugh at. <laughs> hey, it's the guy with every, a house full of bees. <laughs> every stand up. They're like, all right, so uh, what do you got? Hey, Dave, you still still doing the bees? Uh, yep. Got any blockages oh, yeah. on those getting rid of those bees in your house? Still, still 100,000 bees in there. Yep. Hearing them all yep. the time. Little slaps ruining my day. <laughs> Can't sleep for bee slaps. <laughs> oh, this is amazing. Also, 26-year-old homeowner. Incredible. 26-year-old uh, CNN employee didn't even want to begin to think about how much a beehive removal would cost him. I so think that's one of the first things it. that you would want to start thinking about. I, I would, think my, my first thought would be, I wonder how much a beehive removal would cost me. How much of a price would you put on your peace of mind in terms of not having a house full of bees? I feel like possibly ten cents per bee would be a reasonable price for me. If I can, if I can afford a house, I could afford uh, ten thousand dollars to live in that house without uh, handing it over to the bees. I think you know, and I don't know anything about home ownership or even going to the bank. Something I never do. But I feel like when you get a home loan, you should ask for $10,000 more than the value of the house to cover... Oh, as a B contingency. Yeah, the B contingency, just in case you have to get rid of 100,000 bees at an average price of 10 cents per bee. Tack on well, 10 see, grand. I feel like a progressive sort of um, tax, sort of like superannuation that you can't touch except in, in cases of uh, 100,000 bees in your house. This is like a mandatory employer contribution. That's right. You, you chip in one and a half percent. They chip in one and a half percent. Just in case. Just in case. Uh, the colony built its hive in the floor joists between the upstairs and downstairs in his home. They had been sneaking in through an open seam between the wooden siding and brick foundation. Shifty bees. I think sneaking in is ascribing a lot of <laughs> intent to them. <laughs> I don't think like, oh, he's not looking quick. Get in the house. Get, get, come on. Just try not to slap against the walls too loudly. Always always wakes them up. He's a light sleeper. It looks like you've got another note on this next sentence here. But he felt there was nothing to be concerned about. And I would once again imply them to shut the fuck up. Actually, no, I don't think that is what you said. Uh, Because I'm looking at your note here and it says, shut the fuck, Upo. I don't, I don't know, know whether you can do notes on notes, so I didn't come back to... <laughs> I should have annotated that, I'm sorry. That. Uh, honeybees don't cause a lot of damage, and despite honey being deliciously sweet, I was promised it naturally repels sugar-seeking insects, he said. So it's basically fine. He had Stockholm Syndrome for the bees. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? It's My house is always vibrating, and... You know, there's bees crawling all over my toast all the time, but I, the sugar-seeking insects, I think they're staying away. Yeah. Like, um, no, no, my house no house is going good since we bought it. No, it's all, all good. We're starting to think of putting a deck out the back. Um, got some nice, you know, screen doors. I really let the let the breeze in. Um, there's one foot of honey uh, in between the two stories, <laughs> sort of like a massive honey sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Also, just the logic here of being like, oh, it's fine, because my house having 100,000 bees is is keeping the ants away. Yeah, it would repel like, uh, other kinds of insects that aren't 100,000 bees. That's like, okay, so I've got... I've really dodged a bullet vis-a-vis insects. There are 12 wolves living in my backyard, <laughs> but no raccoons. They will no not come anywhere near me. 
<laughs> Terrified of the wolves. <laughs> and so am I. Oh, in late February 2020, when the weather started to warm up, Montgomery went out to mow the lawn and had to duck from all the bees swarming. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's time to get this taken care of, he said. <laughs> Four months later. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, he called Georgia Bee remo- Removal, which services much of the southeast, and got on the wait list. La- last week, Bobby, how would you pronounce that last name, you reckon? Ah, Chasson. <laughs> One of three people who works at the company uh, came out to finally free Montgomery's bees. <laughs> kind of flipped the situation on its head there. The bees are now the captives. The bees are the captives. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the ending of I Am Legend. <laughs> ah, is it? Okay. Uh, oh boy! Uh, well, it cost Montgomery less than one thousand dollars, which gave him a more positive outlook on the situation. <laughs> Interesting, they don't specify a price; they just say less than a thousand dollars. Also, what's that price for me? Let's say a thousand bucks, hundred thousand. That's one cent per bee. One cent per bee. That is a great <laughs> dollar and pound. It's bargain. hard to see how they're making any any money on this deal. <laughs> oh, they on sell the bees for two cents a bee. Each bee. Oh, okay. So it's sort of like a vertically integrated business. <laughs> well, I mean, the bees were vertically integrated in that they were in between the floors <laughs> of his house. <laughs> oh, okay. So this kind of now that I know the thing about him being a CNN employee. Explains the insane specificity of this story. Yeah. Um... Uh, Chesson got to his house around 9 a.m. and was gone shortly after noon. <laughs> cool. And also the way in which um, his actions are like those of a person that is not quite human, but is <laughs> like he's had to take the time to kind of look up in a book to see uh, how to feel about bees in house. It says here bad. The the price thing is insane to me that he sat on it for so long before they're Without, like, all like, right. Oh, God, I can't even think about it. I can't that. even can't Google it. Can't even get a ballpark estimate. <laughs> with a thermal camera, Chasson was able to find the bees with a heat map before ripping open the ceiling. Using a custom-built bee <laughs> vacuum. Amazing. Uh, Chasson safely sucked up what he estimated to be about 100,000 bees. He said a normal colony, for comparison... That's only about 10,000 to 80,000 bees. So he didn't just have a bee colony in his house. He had a massive bee colony in his house. So is he... Okay, actually, I won't go into that because it answers my question in the next the, the next. All right, here we go. Uh-huh. The bee vacuum sucks the bees into a special chamber mm-hmm. with a modified shop vac. <laughs> so my thought on this is that it's a regular shop vacuum that he's put some sort of filter on, like a netting that catches the bees in it. Does that I sound... feel like he's taken one and removed the filter and then attached like a, a big balloon at the back of it that fills up with bees. <laughs> Don't pop it. Just carry it very little, safely to wherever it has to go and then sack. put a little pin in it. <laughs> Uh, each chamber holds about 30,000 to 40,000 bees. Oh I was just like, God. oh, cartridge is full. <laughs> Got 40,000 bees in there. That's so <laughs> many bees. If I picture one bee, okay. Yeah. 100 bees, I'm like, oh, 
That's a lot of bees. A thousand bees. Holy fuck, that's so many bees. 40,000 bees. Mm-hmm. That's nearly one Just bee for every person living in, in Harvey Bay. <laughs> Do you think he's ever like pulled over by the police on the way home from a job? <laughs> like, sir, I'm going to need to need you to step out of the car and uh, open up one of these bags for me, which I'm going to peer into. <laughs> he's like, officer, oh, I don't think we need, we don't need to do this. Well, that's what they all say. I'm just going to stick yeah. my head right into this vibrating bag. And then I'm going to need you to uh, just open it uh, directly so I can see right into it. And just shake it around so that the, the contents are jostled so I can see if there's anything underneath mm. the top layer. Oh, no. <laughs> it is 40,000 bees. Uh, after removing the hive, Shasson said that there was evidence that there had been another hive in that exact spot that had been removed years ago. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I'm, give up. I'm enjoying this the through line on this episode, this entirely unexpected through line that history will continue repeating itself despite man's best intentions. Oh, it's so true. It's uh, exactly like the plot of Eternal Sunshine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or another better example that I can't think of. He had to eternally sunshine himself uh, to forget <laughs> the last hive of bees. First of all, he's not 26 and he's not a new homeowner. He's 28 and he lived in that house for two years. <laughs> this is why he's worried about why how expensive it is. It's oh, less God. than 1000 to get the bees removed and then $400,000 to undergo the uh, eternal sunshine procedure. His subconscious is just trying to keep him away from the bee surface. <laughs> Oh my god Chasson uh, removed nearly 60 pounds of honeycomb Which was melted down into wax And donated to a local craftsperson That's actually quite nice That's that's a very um, Careful thing to do What's a craftsperson? Like uh, a like a um, Either a butcher, a baker Or a candlestick maker I'd say I think so those of are the those, three things yep. Possibly the third That seems the most likely those are, uh, the, those are the three sectors of industry that I understand. Oh, my God. Okay, I did not see this one. Uh, the bees are settled into a new hive in North Georgia, joining more than 100 other colonies on Chason's property. Additionally, Chason's neighbor has close to 300 colonies. That is so many bees. It's too many bees. I'm all for I feel bees. like we're really only treating this symptomatically. <laughs> You think there's maybe an underlying cause, which is the existence of millions and billions of bees on the planet? This, this is the bees' the world. Chasson's in front of his map, just putting <laughs> putting pins in this big circle around the neighbour. <laughs> Another 100,000 bees today. There's got to be some you. sort of pattern. There's <laughs> <laughs> just a massive block in the middle. It's just... <laughs> the beekeeper. Uh, uh, the honey did not go to a local distributor, Montgomery said. The guy who usually takes it just got a load a few days ago and wasn't <laughs> in a position to process more. What an odd <laughs> detail to include Won't in the story. Connect the dots. <laughs> There's too much honey from too many <laughs> rescued bee colonies. This is a purely a bee-related industry. That just entire entire town popped up. Cottage industries around removing beehives and then uh, recycling their contents into useful products. Oh, wait, you haven't watched Upstream Colour yet, have you? 
I haven't. Oh, well, that would have been a perfect thing to compare this to, but I'm waiting okay. until you come over to my house and then watch that goddamn movie that I love. Uh, Shazon said this happens all the time, but the honey wouldn't go to waste. He poured it into his yard, creating a golden buffet for the hundreds of thousands of bees <laughs> near the property. Montgomery is happy to be free. They did the same joke twice, which is fucked up. Interesting that they have used the word free for both parties. The bees have been freed, but Montgomery has also been freed. Oh, kind of like uh, when a toxic couple gets divorced. Mm, or when they both go uh, to live on. A yeah. Waffle House cook and an angry boyfriend kill each other, <laughs> releasing themselves from their eternal struggle. Uh, th- the last part of this story is, I think, maybe my favourite part. And he even got to keep some of the ceiling honey for himself. Who who else would that honey belong to? The, bees? the government takes your ceiling honey. Oh, I'm sorry, sir. You didn't actively cultivate that honey, so you don't get to keep that. He's teaching his children about socialism by saying, "Well, look, we've got um, how much? Sixty pounds of honeycomb. Now imagine the government takes thirty. <laughs> Doesn't seem fair, does it? And I'm not giving it back to you because this wasn't just a real example. I, I no. am, I'm taking this off you. No, I'm giving that to Shaysod so he can pour it into a trough in his yard. <laughs> With a big sign saying, he more bees, come into... here, please. Is this just like the way they used to get rid of motor oil? By digging out a plug of dirt and pouring it into a bunch of rocks? and by the t- So just with honey? By the time he gets ready to pour in another load of honey, the, the ground has absorbed the previous load of honey? That's how it works. That's also what you can do with asbestos, I'm pretty sure. Hmm. So instead of forming an aquifer, it would form a beequifer. Hmm. It felt the... like you really... The confidence with which you went into yeah. that made me think when that you had something... When it started strong. Yep. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to take that leap, you know? Okay. I think that's about all we've got time for today. Unless you feel like you've got any more bee puns you want to sort of attempt on the fly. No, no, no. I was halfway through, I kind of thought, oh, you know, um, this is sort of our podcast's B story. But that sort of, I feel like the moment for that came and went, so I didn't end up doing that one. But you just, you did it just then. No, I'm I'm feeling, I feel like I can have my cake and eat it too on that one. Yeah, well, it's probably, you don't want to eat a cake you don't have. No. Uh, This week's Crime Pass... You can keep the honey that's inside your house. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to give that to anyone. I mean, give it to some family and friends. That's a nice gift. A little jar of artisanal honey. Yeah. You don't have to put that down on section G of your tax form, which says <laughs> other income. 60 pounds of honey. How many liters of honey of ceiling did you have? Honey. Yeah, I actually had a $7,000 tax bill this year because I didn't declare my honey when I got it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Uh, watch out for that when uh, tax time comes around, or you'll be stung by the BTO. Anyway, this we'll see you next week. I've ever been. Bye. Bye. <laughs>